0: Hello, today is Monday, October 2nd, 2023. It's my dad's birthday. I'm Adam Hartog. Sitting next to me, as always, is my co-host, Thomas Frey, whose New York Giants are playing in 20 minutes. Nervous? Yeah,
1: it's horribly stressful. I have, I can't, like, have it up on this tiny screen and my notes, so I just have no idea what's happening. Producer Who's going to have to clue me in. He will. Also, happy birthday, Adam's dad. Yes. Mr. Adams
0: dad. Yes. Yes. Happy birthday. Rue's also a Giants fan, so he'll be keeping tabs. On that, we have a fun episode. We're going to talk about college football games that happen, NFL games that happen over the weekend, a new super duo in the NBA in Milwaukee, the Celtics adding a key piece for a title run. We're going to do awards, and we're going to do our bold prediction of the year. Of the week. Of the week. Uh, All right. Let's get into it okay taping this just before 8 p.m eastern on monday october 2nd coming off an exciting weekend of football i love the fall it's finally october season's changing leaves are going to change soon you want to jump right into college football yeah let's do it cool uh what game do you want to start with let's do oregon state versus the utes are you so are you where are you on
1: the Oregon State fandom wagon? What's the scale? I, I don't know where to where to start with that one.
0: Would you consider yourself a supporter of the Beavs?
1: I think a supporter is, is a good way to put it. Yeah, I'm not an active, like, make sure I tune in right as the game starts kind of fan. Like, I wouldn't say I'm it's anywhere near my actual fandom for teams but I'm a supporter I, I root for them to do well
0: but like let's say the, like this situation Friday night they're playing at I think 815 on Fox Sports one there's nothing really else fantastic on will you be watching them if you're not doing anything will I you think make so. sure to tune in because of DJ uh, then I would consider you no no no
1: no no you changed it at the end I wouldn't make sure to tune in. If it's the only thing on, I would happily tune in. But it's not must-see TV. It's just I check in on them. I like to see how they're doing. And when it's on and I'm not busy, I will watch. Okay, cool. But I'm not changing around any sort of plans. And, like, if I'm watching a show and I'm super addicted to it and they're
0: on and it's a bogus game, I don't even care. Well, what if it's just... You wouldn't know. I, I guess I'm asking... If you're in is if you're watching something and you're like, "Oh, Oregon State and DJ are on," will you tune in until you at least know that it's a bogus game? I am more likely to tune
1: in than I am almost any other college.
0: So then I would say you are moderately a fan. Yeah, okay, but from m- afar.
1: Once DJ Ui is gone, I'm probably out.
0: Okay, that's fair. Unless that's, they that's-
1: replace him with someone equally cool.
0: Do you? Is there anyone that that would? That you know right now no. that would keep you locked in. Arch Manning. That would be pretty cool.
1: Yeah, otherwise, off the top of my head, no, I can Leaving can't.
0: Texas to go to Oregon State yeah, in, a, would... in a failing conference. It would be a big step
1: down for him, but a big step up for me as a super fan.
0: 100%, yeah, you would be getting a Manning. Oh, yeah. In Corvallis. Uh, Oregon State remains one loss. The Pac-12 looks super strong. Beginning to cannibalize itself, Utah was ranked number 10 in the country, still without Cam Rising, so not at full strength yet, but this is a good win. It's really tough to win at Oregon State. I think it's a big win for Oregon State, especially after their loss, but
1: I still think Utah's really good. I know they were 10th before this game, so you know that's not exactly a hot take, but I just think without Cam Rising, it's really hard to grade them because their offense is bordering on inept with their – with their backup quarterback.
0: Yeah, I agree. They, they're they down to 18 in the new poll. That makes sense. <clears throat> Oregon State up to 15. Okay. That's all I had on this game, really.
1: Yeah, DJ Ui is good. What is the highest you could foresee him getting drafted? Fourth round. Okay. I don't think he's that good. Okay. I can live with fourth round.
0: The physical talent is there.
1: Yeah. I can live with fourth round. Might have to. If you said sixth, I would have we would have been engaging
0: in fisticuffs right now (laughs) um all right also in college football number eight usc beat colorado 48 to 21 future bears quarterback caleb williams 48 to 41 what did i say 21 41 yes 48 to 41 future bear caleb williams set a career high with six touchdown passes usc took control of the game early they were up 34 to 7 in the second quarter but Colorado came back and made it a one-score game with under two minutes left before USC recovered the onside kick. But winner-loss, Colorado stays right in the spotlight in the college football world.
1: Caleb Williams is really, really good. And he's going to be really, really good in the NFL. You could probably add a third, really, to either of those. I think he would improve a lot of teams right now. He would, he would improve the Bears right now. Definitely. Sorry. <laughs> uh which is you know after his best game ever, we're saying this too. True. As a passer. But I watched a lot of this game. And I turned it off right before it got good. You texted like the eyeballs emoji with with Colorado. I was like, I literally just turned this off. I googled the score and it was a one score game. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> I watched all this stinker of a game, Colorado looking bad. I think Shador's really good too. He's I I think if you put him at actual like a big program with an actual offensive line, I think he would be a legitimate Heisman candidate for sure. But this actually didn't do anything for either team in my eyes, like you said. I think they're both exactly where I thought they were. I think Colorado coming back showed something. I think USC getting out to that big lead showed something. I don't think it mattered. I think keep making it interesting was good for colorado but i don't think it changed anything
0: i agree with what you said if you're surprised that colorado was down big to usc at one point then you haven't been paying attention and if you're stunned that colorado made it a fight later in the game then i kind of feel the same way then you're just ignoring the fact that they still have dudes even though they're not a complete football team yet And the opportunity for Shadur to shine behind a good offensive line in a big program might still come at Colorado. He's projected as a first-round pick in a lot of mock drafts now, which seems a little jumping ahead of the gun, if I'm being honest, because he's played four games at the top level, and guys like Trubisky played 13 games at the top level, and it was still too small of a sample size to take them that high. So I think he'll come back. I also think the fact that it's his dad – And they're really working to build something here, so I don't think he's going to bail on him for that reason. I think he'll probably come back and want to see through how far they can do this. I agree
1: with parts of what you said. I think he'll come back, and I think they will have a much stronger O-line next year than they do this year, and there'll be a much more complete program. But... I didn't agree with your sentiment on his projection as a first-round pick based on his limited sample size. Like, yes, Trubisky played too few games, but he still got picked in the first round. So, like, the projection, while maybe jumping the gun, it is accurate based on probably where he would go if the draft was today, even with that small sample size.
0: I'm not sure about today, but I agree that based on, like, if you're using past results from this season as a predictor of future results.
1: Yes, if you extrapolate these the small sample size over the full season, which is ex- essentially what an NFL mock draft projection is, then I think that that would be an accurate projection. So, while it may not hold firm if he doesn't play well, I guess I just disagree with that it may be jumping the gun because it literally is based on future results.
0: I guess my point should have more should have been about the idea that he is a guaranteed... That that we know he's going to be worthy of a first-round pick based on the small sample size as opposed to his inclusion in mock drafts. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can... I agree with you on that. I think
1: it's his first-round status should be written in pencil, not pen.
0: I agree, yeah. Like, is the path there? Sure. Is he... Do we know that he's good enough to be a first-round pick yet? We. I don't think we do.
1: Sorry, I'm laughing because you said sure like Shadur Shadur, yeah Yeah. (laughs) sorry that's okay
0: that's quite alright number 11 Notre Dame speaking of USC they play soon beat number 17 Duke 21 to 14 this was a very unique game because it was the game day game at Duke and then Saturday night in Durham against Notre Dame that is not something that we're treated to very often no, it is not. However, with Duke's new status as a football school,
1: as confirmed confirmed by Daniel Jones, who's who was the Leslie Chow who did the the game day for them. What's his What's his real name? Ken Jong. Ken john Doctor Ken Jong. That is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Duke's on the rise, man. I'm. I honestly think a lot of credit probably should go to Daniel Jones. Getting a first round quarterback out of there probably helps recruits. I would imagine. Or helps the recruiting so, yeah.
0: process. Having Cutcliffe there for forever, too. Yeah. But this, if you're Notre Dame, this is why you get a Sam Hartman, a guy that has years of ACC starting experience at Wake, has won big games before, was the best quarterback in that conference last year. And without him, I don't think Notre Dame wins this game.
1: I agree with you, but I need to say what we talked about before the episode about Sam Hartman and his future success. I don't think he can be a good NFL quarterback because he
0: is too handsome. And if he shaves the beard, that changes things or no?
1: No, because I saw a video of him with shorter hair and a shorter beard, and he was equally as beautiful. And he's crossed the level of handsome where talent and handsome can, like they start to negate each other. They can't coexist. Yes. Where as handsome goes up, talent goes down. Like Jimmy G, for example, could never reach – Certain heights because he's just too good looking whereas like Brady and Rogers are objectively handsome guys but
0: it doesn't cross into the
1: threshold where the talent is
0: negated it's not a distraction in the in the locker room that, that, That's yeah, well no no it's not a matter of that it's
1: it's there's a scale it's as handsome goes up there's a certain like breaking point where you for, reach diminishing
0: returns yes
1: where you get so handsome that your talent simply cannot keep up that's where i think that's what i think happens to sam Harper. it's just overpowering He's yeah he's a beautiful man he be
0: like <laughs> should, like model handsome he's not just football handsome for what company like an old navy or or like the the top of the line kind of stuff what's the one in
1: uh in neighbor's abercrombie i think where yeah, they I stand so. outside shirtless he yeah. could be in that one yeah or like or what's uh he could do levi's jeans with brett Favre. he's got the wrangler, beard wrangler, so, yeah wrangler, wrangler sorry 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 brett Favre, um and wrangler
0: yeah we don't want to get sued yeah i don't
1: know <laughs> yeah please god don't what uh what would he need to do to nothing there's nothing he can do
0: n- nothing aesthetically that he, or cosmetically that he could do <laughs> i mean
1: yeah he could become uglier but why would he do that to be good at football? No, I think he's. T- I think he's too naturally handsome. I think if you start faking it, it's that's even worse. The football gods don't like
0: that. Yeah. Okay.
1: I just think it's impossible. If he proves me wrong, then he's going to make so much money. It's going to be insane.
0: <laughs> um, on more on this game though, Duke's defense is legit. Their offense is not threatening, even before the Riley Leonard injury. Which will keep him out a few weeks. It's a high ankle sprain, so he actually kind of dodged a bullet because it looked pretty bad at the end of the game there when he had to be carted off. Very classy move by Sam Hartman. I don't know if you saw after the game he was standing outside of the tent waiting to to say, "Hey, hope hope that isn't in a million pieces." It's mm-hmm. probably not exactly what he said.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, he also left his post game interview to do so. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was. He was like very clearly distracted during his interview, and then was like, "I gotta go check on him." He's Like, a hell of a player or something like that. It was,
0: yeah. Seems like a nice guy by all accounts. Seems
1: like a great guy. Great guy. Beautiful looking. So what's the catch? Can't be that good. Can't be that good. Oh, that's the catch? That's the catch. Okay. Just, like, can be good. I would say his ceiling is Andy Dalton.
0: Andy Dalton's not a handsome guy.
1: I'm not talking looks. I'm just saying, though, like... I feel like... It's not an automatic equation. It's not like the uglier you are, the better you are. It's not exactly proportionate? No, no. It's just there's a breaking point that when you reach it, it starts to diminish your talent. And he's past the breaking point, much like Jimmy G was past the breaking point. Your ceiling can only go so high when
0: your ceiling for looks is that high. Gotcha, okay.
1: And the Red Rocket's not an ugly guy either. He's just red.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you're into that kind of of nonsense... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can't speak
1: to his soul, but he's not a horrible-looking guy.
0: Um Notre Dame still plays number 25 Louisville, number 9 USC and Clemson. So if they went out, the path to the playoffs is still very much alive for the Irish.
1: Yeah. I think it's pretty wide open this year, honestly. It'll I think it'll come down to the last few weeks, which is different than in years past except for it was like if they lose to this team then they're out, kind of deal. I think now it's going to be like all of these teams have to win out to get in. I think it'll be exciting.
0: It makes for the best college football seasons. Mm-hmm. Also, we'll move on to number 20, Ole Miss beat number 13, LSU, 55-49. to This was a shootout from the jump. I think it was 31-28 at halftime. And I think the big story, there's two big angles about this. One of them is that I think it's Lane's first signature win at Ole Miss, SEC win. I'm not gonna lie to you. When did this game happen? What's Saturday night, 7 p.m.
1: Yeah, I had no, I had no idea this game even occurred.
0: I was sending some text updates like, "Wow, Saturday, on no night. context, wows."
1: Yeah, that uh, you do that all the time. <laughs> that doesn't mean. <laughs> but it, on
0: Saturday, it means something. I'm watching something in college football.
1: I don't know what I was doing Saturday night, but I was probably sleeping. I was so tired all day Saturday, probably from my concussion that I may or may not have. True. So. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't know this game happened, but good for Lane. Good for all Miss. I wonder, do we have the ranking for now where they went up to? Or are they like?
0: I do have the ranking. They are now. Can I guess? Can I guess?
1: Yes. 15. Ooh, no. 14? No. 18? No. Higher? 12? No. Which, tell me, higher or lower?
0: I don't know. Lower which- than 12. 10? No, I meant, I meant. Oh, 13? No. 14? You already guessed that.
1: What the hell's going Okay, tell
0: me what it is then. 16. You only got four spots? Well LSU was thirteen, but this is also LSU's second loss of the year already. Well also though, I
1: started at fifteen and your no was confusing.
0: Well you didn't ask a direction. I just
1: assumed you'd give it, like a hot or cold. I did once you asked for it. That's normally how these things go though. You don't <laughs> just be like no, no. <laughs> some usually you give some sort of hint.
0: Alright, that's you're right. I'm right entirely tell, right. I'll go. Tell home.
1: the people about this game.
0: Yeah, the Rebels had over 700 yards of offense not a defense not a defender in sight showed up to this game Jackson darts touchdown to Trey Harris with 39 seconds left won the game for the Rebels and in two seasons at LSU for Brian Kelly It's mid-October and for the second straight year They have two losses and they're all but eliminated from playoff contention and when you make a move like they did to bring in Brian Kelly from Notre Dame that's just totally unacceptable, especially at a place like LSU. But how's his accent? Is it thicker or less thick? He's, so he's actually he's opened up to the fact that the accent was obviously fake and he was just trying to endear himself to the the his new family in yeah. you know, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. My family. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. But no, he's on a hundred million dollar contract one of the biggest in the country, has not won a national championship, but has gotten there with Notre Dame. And the thinking bringing in somebody like Brian Kelly, not the thinking, the expectation is that you're going to win a national championship. The last three coaches at LSU all did that. Well, what was the rule that you set? Is it three years? It's it's three years, but it doesn't mean that at somewhere like LSU, the pressure isn't going to be there earlier, especially because... A bad recruiter at LSU is still going to bring in a ton of talent because it's LSU and every kid in the state dreams of playing there growing up.
1: I think the pressure is for sure on, but when LSU makes that kind of investment in him... They can't fire him. Yeah, no, that kind of monetary investment. So I think while the pressure is on, his
0: seat is relatively cold. I would agree that... I didn't mean pressure that he's going to get fired, but... Pressure that the fan base is threatening to murder him. Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of that already, yeah. There was a guy last year that called into the Paul Feinbaum show, which is like the college football radio show, and was talking about how instead of Texas A&M paying Jimbo Fisher's buyout, which was mm-hmm. like $70 million, they should just hire a hitman to kill him. He went on the radio with that idea? He did. They did not entertain it. There's
1: some things that are meant to be inside thoughts that are meant to be kept upstairs. That was probably one of them for that guy. Or, like, within a small circle, not on a national radio broadcast. I I, I agree with that.
0: Uh, But if they don't start winning soon, and at least staying competitive late in the season for the playoff, the noise is going to get really loud. Do you know what the rest of their schedule looks like? Uh, I mean, they play... They play Alabama, they play Auburn. I don't think they've played yet. It's the SEC West. I guess I just meant are they through the hardest part of their schedule? They're probably through. Well, they play Alabama later. That's that's probably it. Okay. That's the hardest game they have left for sure. But besides that, I mean, Florida State and, and Ole Miss, that's the hardest half of their schedule. How was, uh, I don't remember, was it close against Florida State? No, they got blown out too. Neutral site though, okay. Not that it, it does make a huge difference, because they were the fifth ranked team in the country then. Nope, sorry, I got that mixed up. They were the twenty third ranked team in the country. Unless that's now. Yeah. I think that's now. Mizzou's ranked, but they're they they should beat Mizzou, and if they don't, ah, uh, oh man, then it just gets louder and louder. Yeah. That would be that would be the biggest win in Eli Drinkwitz's life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's the Missouri coach. What a name! Yeah, Drinkwitz, Drinkwitz, Drinkwitz. Uh, yeah. There's no O or A. Uh, it's just Drinkwitz. I'm I'm double checking this now. Yeah, please verify before I go around. Yep, Elijah, Eli, Eli E L I Eli- A H. So it's like Elijah without the J. Okay. Elijah Drinkwitz. Okay, Drinkwitz. I think the K has a built-in K a little bit. Drinkwits, you know, so it's drink Yeah, you see what, see what you're saying? drink It's Yeah, it's not a hard K. It's <laughs> a little bit of a softer K.
0: Drinkwits, yeah. Uh, that's pretty much all I had on college football for this weekend. Quieter slate than last weekend. Which is good because we have some NBA talk to get to, so.
1: We do. Yeah. What is it? The Damian Lillard trade finally occurred. Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks portland received drew holiday deandre ayton tumani kamara a 2019 unprotected first and 2029 sorry 2029 yeah we are well past 2019 (laughs) 2029 unprotected first and two unprotected swaps all from milwaukee the suns got in the mix they got yusuf nurkic grayson allen nasir little and keon johnson then Portland went and flipped Drew Holiday to the Celtics for Time Lord Bob Williams, Malcolm Brogdon, a 2024 first, and a 2029 first. There's a lot of moving parts to that. Let's just start with the Bucks. How do you feel about the trade for the Bucs?
0: Gut reaction is it's it's great for Milwaukee in the sense that Giannis publicly called them out saying, Hey, you need to I need to see you guys trying to maximize my window here. And they did that. And I don't know if anything has come out about this, but it's difficult for me to believe that they don't feel – they didn't make that trade knowing they would feel more comfortable about Giannis staying long-term if they did it. I'm not saying they did it knowing that he was going to stay if they made that trade.
1: Yeah, I don't think Giannis gave assurances that he was going to stay if the trade was made, but acquiring a superstar like Dame Lillard, for sure – helps his case to stay my thinking on it is that it's honestly a great move for them they struggled in late in games especially last year when chris middleton wasn't i guess fully healthy or in his best form i would say because he was he came into the season like halfway through and then he was hobbled then he was coming off the bench and he just was never the all-star caliber chris middleton and drew holiday is an excellent defender or some would some do argue that he's the best defender in the nba and he's a good scorer he's a good complimentary scorer but he's not the scorer so and Giannis is for all of his talent not a guy that's going to really go in a half court set and create his own shot and his free throw struggles they can just foul him so now they get a proven clutch time scorer their defense with Giannis and Brooke Lopez in the back line is theoretically still just as good. Chris Middleton's a good wing defender. Pat Connaughton's a willing defender. He's not a bad defender. And they have they just brought in uh campaign for some guard depth. I think they still need to bring in some extra veteran pieces to bring off the bench, but that lineup is really dangerous. Dame only improves their spacing, because Drew's a good shooter, but he's not a he's not an all-time great shooter like Dame is. The two of Dame and Giannis playing off each other is going to be one of the greatest pick-and-roll combos we've ever seen. When yeah. when Chris Middleton was the full-time pick-and-roll ball handler for them two years ago, that's probably, or what was it, two years ago they won the championship? Yeah, two years ago. That was when they were at their peak, and last year you just couldn't do it. Now you put Dame into that, it's going to be disgusting. They're going to be so much fun.
0: Yeah, so a couple things off that. One, the Dame and Giannis pick-and-roll. Is immediately, without seeing it, the second most unstoppable play in the NBA behind Jokic and Murray. I think the first is actually Kevin Herter off of pin-down screens.
1: I'm pretty sure, (laughs) statistically speaking, it's like the most effective play in... I think, like, in NBA history, it was that in, like, James Harden isolations when he was in Houston. Houston.
0: Yeah. I believe the Herder thing, but I'm going to refuse to acknowledge it. It might not be pinned down screens, but it was something like that. You know what I mean, though? Yeah, in terms yeah, of yeah, like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Like, what are you going to go to? No, in, like, no I, know, I know. I know. I <laughs> know. It's like, let's clear
1: out for Herder. I've just heard JJ Redick mention it a few times, and I thought it was hilarious.
0: <laughs> um, but, like you said, Giannis has never played with somebody with this kind of range. The only thing I worry about is Dame getting exposed as a defender in the playoffs, and I think that's where Drew Holiday, the loss is probably going to be felt the most, and I think there's going to be times in the playoffs where teams just get Dame stuck trying to chase around a guard off screens or even a forward that can shoot, and he's going to stand no chance, but it brings you closer to a championship if you're Milwaukee, and that's all that matters with Giannis right now.
1: I think – dame's defensive issues or lack of defensive ability doesn't impact them negatively as much as his offense improves them i agree with that i think it's
0: a net positive still yeah
1: i i just think he's literally an all-time great scorer that's pretty much without question and an all-time great shooter especially and i just think that when you have two perennial i shouldn't say perennial but over the last four seasons, Defensive Player of the Year candidates on your team still, you can get away with having Damian Lillard as your point guard defensively. because And Chris Middleton's a very good defender. He could You could probably put him on their best guard and just try to hide Dame the way the Knicks did with Brunson. And that was without Giannis and Brooke Lopez on the Knicks team.
0: And then the other thing is you look at some of the the other trades for guards that are in their 30s, and most of them don't stay at the level that we've come to expect from them over their careers but like you said dame is what the second best shooter of this generation for a point guard and the only guard recently that has maintained their elite level in well into their 30s is steph curry and they play a very similar style so there's no reason why they can't expect at least two to three elite years out of dame
1: i would almost argue that Mm. what Chris Paul I would yeah Chris Paul's game aged really well for a very long time but then there was a
0: there's been a steep decline over the last like two and a half seasons
1: yeah but he's what four or five years older than Dame
0: now he is but I'm saying that's from his age 30 35 season on he was not not a I mean you said that's why the Suns moved him but Dame's only 33 and like Chris Paul's a, a lot older than that I think Chris Paul's
1: 38, but the, yeah, he's 38 years the old. Decla- he's five the, years. It
0: wasn't out and out of nowhere decline for him. The Chris Paul decline has been pretty linear over the last couple seasons. I mean, yeah,
1: but he was still a, his PER was still 21. And he was an all-star last year, Chris Paul, sorry, two years ago. Last year, he was still 17.7. So he's still a, like a well above average player. And Dames was probably like 30 last year. So even if there's a linear regression, it would go from, let's say, 30 to 28 to 26. To, he's still a all-NBA caliber guard that they're getting.
0: Well, I'm saying just his style of game, I don't really expect that to be the case.
1: You don't think there will be that regression, you're saying?
0: Yeah, like I was using Steph Curry as an example because they play similar styles. Well, I just, I
1: don't necessarily agree that they play similar styles, but their shooting ability is similar, but the way they play is pretty different, I think.
0: Well, yeah, I guess that could just be situational, though, too.
1: Yes and no. Dame kind of needs the ball in his hands to score, whereas Steph's almost, I would say, over half the time a shooting guard, where he comes off of screens and just runs around and plays almost like J.J. Redick more so than he does Kyrie Irving, whereas I would say Dame leans more towards isolation score than he does off-ball threat. So... That's why I'm saying I don't think they played similarly.
0: I I just meant like it's more. I will probably see Dame play a lot more off ball in Milwaukee, even though that's when he has not played his best, like international team when he hasn't had the ball in his hands. Like he's he hasn't been the same like lethal scorer that he was in Portland. So that'll it'll be interesting to see how how that changes his role if they'll just let him run the offense because like Giannis doesn't like doing that as much as. He likes kind of being, like, put in positions where he can he can get to the basket.
1: Dame's usage is, like, probably best served at, like, 30% plus. Uh, I I don't think Giannis' is that high. I just, I, I haven't, I, I'm pulling up the stat right now. I want to make sure I don't butcher it. But I think Giannis's a lot of his creations are grab a rebound and go. So I still think Dame should be able to maintain some level of, high usage yeah Giannis's usage last year was very high but it was 39 but that was also because he had no like very limited offensive help but I think his could drop closer to 30 and Dames could drop a little bit closer to like 25 28 and I think it would still be like more than enough ball to go around because Giannis doesn't need the ball in his hands to to score and be effective
0: yeah I think he will I think he will appreciate having somebody that can come in as the primary ball handler more often.
1: Yeah, I, I think they're a very good complementary duo. If you put, like, another 30% usage guy like Julius Randle on the Bucks, I think it'd be a horrible combo. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, their usage is coming in different ways. I think less than Dame's age concerns me. I would say it's more just his injuries. But last year they said they held him out even when he was healthy. So it's hard to know how many games he actually would have missed. But I think his health is probably the biggest concern that I have, much more so than fit or or age.
0: That's fair. What do you think of this trade from the Portland side? I think it was about as good
1: as it could have gotten. I knew once they got Drew that they were going to flip him. I didn't know how quickly. So in total, including them flipping Drew, because that was probably why they did it versus the Heat trade, because once you get Tyler Hero, you're not flipping Tyler Hero for assets. And in total, they got DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, all the picks. And then they flipped Drew and got Robert Williams and Malcolm Brogdon and more picks. And they could probably flip Robert Williams again if they wanted to. And they could flip Malcolm Brogdon again and get more picks. And and I think they did about as good as you could possibly get in trading a 33-year-old superstar. And I couldn't have expected them to get this haul, honestly.
0: I agree. And this is why... You hold out and you don't trade him to Miami when they're the only ones that make the first offer and everybody's clamoring and saying he wants to play here. You have to do right by him. You have to trade him here. You're not going to get any competitive offers because everyone knows he wants. He knows he wants to go here, and you don't get nearly this haul if you sell him for forty cents on the dollar to the Heat. Mm-hmm. If you if they sell him for Tyler Hero
1: and Duncan Robinson and whatever picks the heat have which like isn't that much then they're fucked yeah then they're screwed that's all that's literally all they have that's all they can say for this now they got a at the center position deandre ayton's top five probably oh I think, yeah. I think them getting
0: ayton is is a great move for them
1: oh for sure and you put him with scoot and anthony simons and i think they'll pro- i mean honestly dude they could trade jeremy grant malcolm brogdon and robert williams all within the next six months And get even more assets just to give them to contenders like if let's say the the thunder need a center and they want robert williams it's very feasible these are there's a lot of options out there for them i think it's a very good deal all around and just to get the sun's perspective they need a depth Nurkic helps them i think if he again health issues but if he can stay healthy you just need a plug and play center in that offense No one is stopping Jokic, no matter who they are, which is basically what every team in the West is gearing up for. You just need bodies, so you get Nurkic out there. You get a little more wing depth in Grayson Allen. Nasir Little and Keon Johnson have shown flashes, so I think it was a good move for pretty much all involved, especially because DeAndre Ayton was very visibly unhappy there, and I don't think KD and booker particularly liked him it seemed that way at least towards the end so i think it was good moving towards the drew flip to the celtics i like the move i do for boston for boston i do but they have such little depth it is insane
0: dude they have so okay next year cap hit they have 37 million for drew holiday 36 for Porzingis, 32 and a half for Tatum, 32 for Jalen Brown, 20 for Derek White, Al Horford at 10, and then everyone else beyond that is making less than $4 million. Yeah, the minimum, essentially. Yeah. So they have so much money tied into a few guys. Their whole starting five is, I don't even know how much money you just said, but they're
1: probably, I assume they're going to bring back Blake Griffin if he wants to come back and play.
0: If. That's a big if, apparently. It is. Yeah,
1: it is. But he was good for them last year in spurts. I'm sure a guy like Serge Ibaka they could get. Uh, Taj Gibson. There's there's veterans out there who can provide them spot minutes. That can help. But Porzingis has a major history of injuries. Al Horford's not getting any younger. And they have no depth whatsoever. And I don't know if they're going to stagger these guys' minutes. I, I mean, defensively, though, if healthy, it's going to be, in like incredibly dominant starting five especially with is if I know he's not the rim protector we thought he was going to be when he was with the Knicks because he was blocking like I think like four shots a game at a time but he's still a, a very good rim protector and I don't I don't know I don't know what how they're going to do their starting lineup I, I don't know if they're going to start the two of them together Horford and Porzingis I don't know if they're going to bring one off the bench it'll be interesting to see but I worry about their depth but I think in terms of replacing Marcus Smart,
0: it doesn't get much better than Drew Holiday. It doesn't get better. I mean, okay, look, it gets better. But in terms of, no, in terms of one for, defensive in, guard, In
1: terms of one-for-one, one, like, similarities in play style, it doesn't get better. There's, that's what I meant. Yeah, I, I'm with... I mean, yeah, like, you, you, <laughs> you get, get Steph like, Curry, yeah. That's, yeah that's
0: that's how, I meant in the point guard position, it, it gets better.
1: In terms of literal positional and play style similarities, it The upgrade, it doesn't get any better, but it's just the the trade off of depth and the timing of the trade being so close to training camp and preseason, where it's gonna be there's no free agents left. Like, let's say they they did this trade months ago, and you could do you could sign a Dante Divincenzo to the mid level exception or something like that. It's it leaves me worried for their depth, but. You only need a seven-eight-man rotation in the playoffs. But, I, I mean, it's honestly Porzingis. His injury risks are crazy.
0: For me, it's actually as much, if not more, the the reliance still on a, a year 17 Al Horford.
1: Yeah, I think it could be 1-1-A one, one in terms of concerns. They're
0: one big man injury from being in serious trouble though is the point. I think we're both kinda of hammering yes, it. Yes,
1: and they both the two of them are huge injury risks and they don't have anyone behind them essentially. And, yeah. And their guard depth behind who they have right now is like depending if Derek White comes off the bench, Derek White and Peyton Pritchard who's like fine, but it's it's not great. They lost Grant Williams, they lost Marcus Smart. They But to our credit we said, and we got killed on social media, at least I did, for saying that if the Celtics run it back as currently constructed. They're not a serious contender. And I was totally right because they blew it up and made a bunch of moves. So I just wanted to toot my own horn a little bit because I was spot on. <laughs> People were all in our Instagram comments saying how wrong I was, and I was dead right. Did, I, I wasn't right about the how it was going to happen. I thought they were going to move Jalen Brown for something like this but they traded away all their depth for something like this. But I was completely right, so I'm vindicated. That's all.
0: Yeah, like you said, they needed to they need to make some serious changes, and we have enough of a sample size from the last couple of years to know that as things currently were constructed, it just wasn't working. They kept stalling, and whether this works or not, they needed to shake it up and try something else, and they that's what they're doing. Yeah, you couldn't keep kicking the can down the road. You had to address it because otherwise...
1: What what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, and expecting a different result. Yep. So that's what they were doing. But I think that's that's all I got on NBA.
0: Yeah, me too. On to NFL talk, otherwise known as the the meat. meat. Yes, yeah. Slim Jim. Please answer me. I miss you,
1: Slim Jim. I don't remember the other one. What's the other one? Uh, the Butcher Box. I was.
0: I I heard. I heard about. They uh, send you meat. Slim. It's Slim Jim, and it's oh god they're it's never the big gonna us one. now yeah mm. that was bad bad
1: for us hold on bad work at us they're never gonna sponsor us now jack links jack links yeah you can check the the footage i didn't even get to google
0: it yet <laughs> i just thought of it <laughs> so we're gonna do like usual the storyline surprise which could be good or bad disappointment and the games to watch for next week would you like to get us kicked off
1: I would love to get us kicked off. So my storyline is that the Cincinnati Bengals are running out of time. The Cincinnati Bengals right now are essentially who the Pittsburgh Steelers were with Big Ben in his last year, who the Colts were with Phillip Rivers in his last year. That is who Joe Burrow is now. I think I heard that he was – taking 90% of his snaps out of the shotgun because he literally cannot do a five-step drop. He's just so physically limited that their offense is shot. And until he can get right, they're going to be a bad team, bad offensive team. He's a shell of himself. He doesn't even look like the same guy. When we first heard and saw his injury in the summer, the concern was oh, he could miss the whole year and the Bengals' Super Bowl hopes are shot. Well, it turns out he hasn't missed any time and their Super Bowl hopes are still almost shot. They're the third best team in their division right now. They're better than the Steelers still, but that's not saying much given where the Steelers are. They're currently one and three and they're facing the Cardinals this week who are the weirdest bad team of all time. I like wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals beat them. So if they lose this week... let's say they win and they're two and three they lose their one and four they're coming up on the seahawks 49ers bills texans and ravens that's all in the next few weeks their season is very close to over and as the wise yogi Berra, rest in peace once said it's getting late early
0: that's good I, i actually didn't know that one yeah um yeah it they are running out of time. They're 1-3, so I, I don't remember. I don't have the odds in front of me that they make the postseason after starting 1-3. But uh, like you said, yeah, Burrow has struggled mightily. The calf injury is clearly limiting the downfield passing ability of that offense, and it kind of seems like a ticking time bomb. If you're 1-3, I don't really understand why you keep leaving your star franchise quarterback out there exposed because we know we've seen this season what can happen when a quarterback's dealing with a calf injury and they they risk it and play. You could cause some serious damage to other parts of your leg. He's the first quarterback ever through four games to have 150 plus pass attempts with an A dot of less than five yards and it all ties back to the fact that he's not fully healthy. It's limiting what that offense does best, the bread and butter that has gotten them so much success in the regular season and playoffs and I think it's very irresponsible for them to keep trotting him out there right now
1: i think if they lose this week to the cardinals i think you shut him down until at least after the bye from my understanding of the injury is that it will heal relatively quickly if you're not active so like if they shut him down for a couple weeks he could come back and be fully fine there's always the risk of reaggravation until it's like 100% healed but it could get to the point where he's not hobbled anymore so they could do that and just have them come back and, you know, hope that you win a couple games. But again, this this is the same issue that I had with the Jets. And it's now the, issues I have, the issue I have with the Bengals is the Jets came into this year with a 40-year-old quarterback who, even though he's been healthy his whole career, he's 40 years old. There's always a heightened risk of injury when you are 40 years old playing in the NFL. And they knew, aside from last night's performance, that Zach Wilson wasn't very good. And they still didn't bring in a veteran quarterback. And then you wait till week three to bring in Trevor Simeon. When at the time when you signed Rodgers, you probably could have brought in a Teddy Bridgewater or a Taylor Heineke or someone like that who could at least hold down the Ford if Rod in the event Rodgers did get hurt. Joe Burrow got hurt in what, July? And they yeah. and they decided to run it run him out there with his backup as Jake Browning. If you had a if you had a Teddy Bridgewater or a Taylor Heineke or someone like that as your backup you could sit Joe Burrow down for a couple of weeks and and you st- and you could still possibly win a couple of games but now he's at that weird point where like he's healthy enough to play but he's clearly hobbled to the point where it's hurting them so what do you what do you do
0: you put Jake Browning out there who's never taken an NFL snap i, I think you have to i mean the last thing you want with burrow is another major major leg injury
1: no i'm not disagreeing with you i'm disagreeing with them
0: with yeah the, it's 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 what the Yankees did. It's what the Jets did. You you can't just assume in sports that your star player isn't going to get hurt. But he already did get hurt. They had yeah, the opportunity. Right, right.
1: They could have done this. They chose not to. If they had brought in a backup quarterback who was – comp like even Gardner Minshew, someone who is competent that you can put out there and you think they can win you a game, you could have sat Joe Burrow down right after he re-aggravated his calf week two. You could have done that for the last two weeks – and hoped maybe to tread water, or, worst case, you're in the same position you are right now. And he's healthy. And he's coming back healthy. So they pigeonholed themselves into this. It's their fault, and that's that's why I have the same issues with them as I have with the Jets. I I blame the front office of both teams. I don't know if it's arrogance or stupidity or what, but we saw the Eagles won a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback. That should have been your sign that if if you have a good team – and an injury risk at quarterback, you should probably have a good backup.
0: Pat's made or won 11 games with Matt Castle.
1: Yes, you should have a competent backup. That should always be the case. You're telling me they couldn't have put Jake Browning on the practice squad? There's no way a team was out here clamoring (laughs) to steal his services. There's no way. You could have had him on the practice squad and kept him if you liked him that much, or the emergency third quarterback that exists now. They could have done so many more things. I'm just... And there's a lot
0: of veterans that are available.
1: Still, there's, yes, still there's veterans that, like, you could have brought in Carson Wentz. I'm sure, as bad as Wentz is, that he'd be better than freaking Jake Browning if you put him out there. 100%. So, I just am not happy with them, because you could have sat him down for the last two weeks, still been 1-3, and and now be bringing him back healthy to win you a lot of games.
0: Not constantly at risk of losing him for the whole season and longer. Yes,
1: yes constantly at risk of losing him for the whole year if not longer while
0: still losing all those games which you would have anyway exactly all right well okay so my so my storyline was the burrow thing bangles oh, too but we're gonna sorry. we're no we're gonna be audible on the fly to something that i've discussed on the podcast in the past and that is that texans rookie quarterback cj stroud looks like he's gonna be a true elite franchise kind of guy he had 16 completions on 30 attempts for 306 yards and two touchdowns in the texans 30 6 win over pittsburgh he's now at 1212 yards for the season which puts him ahead of mahomes herbert and luck and in second place all time for most passing yards through quarterbacks first career four career starts trailing only cam newton he has the third most passing attempts by a rookie ever without an interception to start a career behind only two players. Do you have any guesses who they are? Uh, current quarterbacks yeah, current yeah, quarterbacks. yeah, yeah. I know who it is. It's... Oh, one of them is really bad. Mm, they're, no, they're both good. Oh, who is it then? It's Dak. Okay. And it's Tua. Oh. He is also the first quarterback to throw for 300 yards twice in their first four starts since Burrow and Herbert, both in 2020. First Texans quarterback to throw for 200 yards or more in his first four career games. He's doing this with a weapons unit that was unheralded coming into the season. Guys like Nico Collins and Tank Dell have been balling. The offensive line is very banged up and still missing a lot of starters, but it seems like C.J. Stroud right now was the steal of the draft, even though he went number two overall, and if he keeps going on this trajectory, then the Texans will be back to relevancy pretty soon. I asked in our group chat
1: for fantasy advice if I should pick up Purdy or Stroud, and my heart told me Stroud, but all of our friends told me Purdy.
0: Yeah, you should have picked up Stroud. I
1: know I should have, and someone else did now! In our league? No, different league. And I'm I'm upset. I'm very much upset about it. And my team's good and now i'm because my stupid quarterback is Justin Fields who i had on my bench yesterday so that's fun
0: <laughs> i benched him in my dynasty league too mistake
1: not only did i bench him i also didn't play nico collins same league oh. and i lost because of because of it
0: yeah, yeah. that's tough nico collins had like 7 for a buck 60 oh
1: yeah 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 he had 30 plus points if i started nico collins i would have won i played amari cooper because i liked what i saw with dtr and friggin' preseason <laughs> I just thought he'd favor his number one target, but he couldn't complete
0: a pass. No, yeah, DTR bad. I've never
1: seen a less prepared quarterback in my whole life, a less equipped quarterback to play in the NFL.
0: Ah, Deshaun Kaiser had some moments. That's
1: fair. In recent memory, very recent memory, he was, like, running around with his head cut off, it looked like. It it looked like (laughs) the Broncos' wide receiver. Kendall something, Hinton? Yeah, Kendall Hinton. That's how it looked to me. (laughs) The COVID
0: spot start. Yes. Uh, that's my my storyline is CJ Stroud's ascendancy into the the small group of young elite passers.
1: Yeah, I think he's awesome. I'm glad that we're well documented Stroud supporters on this pod.
0: Stroud boys, as they call him on PMT. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> wish we wish we thought of that. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is good. They have one for Bryce Young too, but I can't remember what it is. Got nothing. <laughs>
1: Uh, you wanna move on to you wanna give your surprise or should I give my surprise?
0: Uh no, I'll give my surprise. Yeah, that way um, I don't steal it again. Okay, my surprise, and it's a disappointing surprise. Well, it's a it's a bad surprise, not a disappointing surprise. It's that the Chicago Bears coaching staff is absolutely drowning in the responsibilities that they have no idea how to manage. We've discussed on the podcast the the resignation and Silence surrounding the resignation of defensive coordinator Alan Williams. They were just up 28-7 to on the hapless Denver Broncos on Sunday before blowing the lead and losing 31-28 in regulation at home. Um, Chase Claypool was not at the game. Reporters asked after they asked head coach Matt Eberflus. If it was team determined that he stay away from the organization or if it was up to him, he fumbled over his words for a little before finally saying that his understanding was that it was up to the player. This was immediately corrected by a statement from the team that said that the team asked him to stay home. So it seems like he won't ever show up again. Nobody's giving straight answers, and it seems like they are on borrowed time in Chicago already. Eberflu said it was player... Choice. Yeah, he lied. He either lied or or didn't really himself understand what was going on. But if, but that's his call to make. Yeah, he probably lied. That's bad. Yeah, uh, yeah. He. I feel like I haven't watched his presser from today, but the first twelve or so questions were all about Claypool. I mean, we were talking about this that the guy
1: wasn't even trying out there. Yeah, I, I you did, were one of the first ones to, to call to, this to bring it to your attention. Yeah, the guy was literally. I sent you the the low light video of him. It's literally not even attempting to make blocks out there barely running routes like i don't know maybe he's happier streaming video games or something i i I don't know it's for a guy with that much physical talent and who had already shown success in the league it's confusing it's baffling yeah i i I don't understand it like i don't know you see it happen with just like Josh Reynolds, you see him go out there and catch two passes because he's just big. And you throw big guys like that red zone targets. like, And those guys like that make money. Kenny Galladay got paid big for doing exactly what Chase Claypool could do. And I know he's he's a good example because of how bad he actually was. He's just a big target. Stafford just threw it up to him. So, I don't know. It's weird. It's very strange. I don't know why he would act this way. I don't know what the Bears coaching staff is doing over there i thought the front office that they brought in they all seemed very capable ryan poles was where did he work? the chiefs before this he he seemed like a very smart guy and like they were reporting he was sleeping in his office at the the stadium or whatever last year it's also on him for bringing in this coaching
0: staff so it's the worst trade of his his bears career the is the claypool trade. one yeah
1: yeah i mean that was
0: bad at the time you could it was bad knowing what the pick ended up being yeah was a second rounder, right? It was a second rounder, but it was the thirty second pick in the draft. And who'd it become? Joey Porter Junior, I think. Okay. Well, well be- I- because someone was the the Dolphins were stripped of a first round pick, so it ended up being what would have been typically oh, the last pick. yeah, the last player in the first round. I think even
1: not knowing what the pick would become, even if it was the fiftieth pick, I still think it's an awful trade because you can get a really good wide receiver for like a fifth round pick now,
0: I, dude. They could have given a fifth round pick, and it still would have been a bad trade with what's. Fallen. Yeah, but that's just at least a, you're taking. That's you're
1: taking a flyer on a guy. That's not you're making an investment in a guy. Yeah, you're right. I mean, friggin' DeAndre Hopkins in his prime got traded for a, an aging running back and like a fifth round pick. It was an awful trade, but there is that trade to be made. Like they could have gotten another guy for way less and
0: gotten way more in return very bad move bad on all accounts honestly that's my surprise is just how dysfunctional can this thing get seemingly more and more by the week
1: I don't know if this was just the Broncos awful defense because it's truly putrid or if they were letting fields play a little bit more and giving him easier reads I don't know what it was but he looked like a different man out
0: there I'm still uh, I still don't think he's good
1: no no it's not a matter of him being good i'm talking strictly for my fantasy purposes i hope that he can play better me too like that maybe not like that but just you know that one play in the red zone where he was about to cross the line of scrimmage and he threw the touchdown to commit like that is a a play that only certain players can make and he's physically gifted enough that he can do that and that's the kind of stuff that Obviously you can't design plays like that, but you can cater schemes to guy's strengths and that's what they should have been doing all along for him. I agree, they're just
0: they're they're trying to th- square, square peg round hole. Yeah, they're trying to they're they're trying to force him to fit into their grand vision for how they would like the quarterback of a championship caliber team to to be and that's not what he is and it's not working.
1: No, I and I I just don't think they should have taken that approach, but i mean i don't think that's
0: it'll cost them
1: yeah i I think they'll be all be out of jobs because of it so
0: i hope so i do too for your sake i just want a fresh start
1: crazy how soon it's coming from the last fresh start (laughs) my surprise is the three-headed monster of resurgent qbs of resurgent could be career-wise could be for this one game could be after a bad week last week so i've got
0: one game i wonder who this is gonna be Uh,
1: sam howell Uh uh-huh i got zach wilson and baker mayfield so baker mayfield's resurgent as first round pick was pretty good at a time then horrible zach wilson is was bad for his whole career was good this one time and sam howell was has been pretty good was horrible last week and then was good again this week so it's all resurgent in their own ways so that's the three-headed monster of baker sam howell and zach wilson I was very surprised by all of their performances this week. Baker broke the Saints franchise record of allowing... No. Saints had a franchise record of allowing 20 points or fewer in 21 straight games coming into this week, and Baker broke that. Uh, He completed 25 of 32 for 246 and three touchdowns, adding 31 more on the ground. Uh, This game was more about the defense than the offense, but... Baker seems to elevate that team in some way. They seem to buy into his energy, and that's exactly what you need for him. You need a team that's going to buy into his rah-rah energy kind of stuff, and they seem to rally around him in all of his weird energy momentum-building plays, and I think that's cool, and I'm I'm actually happy for him. I, and now that he's not in all all the commercials, I don't have to see him as much. It's easier to root for him. Sam Howell last week, Crushed nine sacks, four picks, looked pretty hopeless. Comes into this game against a very prolific Eagles defense 29 for 41, 290, and a touchdown, and ran for 40. And his last drive to tie it up with zeros on the clock was incredibly impressive. And he has shown me enough that I'm pretty confident in his ability as a starting quarterback i don't know what his ceiling is and i don't know what his floor is but i do think he's good enough to be a starter i agree with that i've been very impressed by how very impressed and zach wilson i mean just who saw that coming literally he made he completed one pass and it was like oh all right this is interesting i've never seen him do that before and then he threw the i think it was a back shoulder fade for a touchdown i was like who is this guy Uh Then he ran for the two point conversion. I was like, "What is happening right now?" <laughs> Granted, he blew it in the end with that fumble, but I just I I don't know if this is anything. It's probably nothing going forward. This is probably just the outlier game where he circumstances dictated his performance. But the game ended up being very entertaining, and no one thought it would be. He showed more in this game than he's shown me ever before in the NFL. He looked actually like pretty good. I was going to say competent, but he looked beyond competent. If he could even be a half of what he was last night going forward and just be a competent to below average quarterback, at the very least, Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall
0: are fantasy viable, which is all I could ask for. I have a little bit on resurgent quarterback plays play later. So I'll leave some of my commentary and response till then, but I agree that. The Bucks do seem to rally around Baker, and he does have that infectious energy. That if you get a team that vibes with him, he's the kind of guy that people will totally be happy to go to battle with. But I'll leave some of the some of the other stuff for for later. I guess for now, uh, do you want to go on to your disappointment. disappointments?
1: Do you want me to go, or are you? Uh, you can go. My disappointment is Bryce Young. Is that also yours? Before? No, 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 okay, no. Thank God. It's not that. He's been horrific, and it's not that the Panthers are bad. Coming into the year, we said he was in for a rough one. Their run game is non-existent, even with Miles Sanders. They just don't create holes for him. Their receivers are average at best. Their O-line is nothing to write home about. And they've only scored two touchdowns in the 12 quarters he's been under center. Again, like we said, I knew he was in for it rough this year. But... I've seen stretches of greatness from Anthony Richardson. I've seen entire great games from CJ Stroud. I haven't seen anything from Bryce Young to lead me to believe he's remotely as good as either of them. I'm not writing him off. He's extremely accurate as a passer. I'm disappointed in how little he's shown me. I would like, I'm sure Panthers fans would love for a guy that they have this much investment in, they traded up to get for him to be showing more. Right now, all that he's shown is that he he's an accurate passer, which there's been a lot of accurate passers who flamed out of the league.
0: Yeah, the things that he was doing at Alabama that were uncommon for somebody with the physical limitations that he has were things like avoiding pressure in the pocket, not really getting getting hit hard, uh, pushing the ball downfield, and he has struggled mightily to do that at the NFL level. And it's hard not to think that a lot of it has to do with his size. And he, he just eye tests, too. He looks tiny. Watching him try to
1: escape the pocket is he looks, like you said, tiny. He, yeah. And he doesn't look quick like Kyler does escaping the pocket. He looks small, and he looks slow. And I'm not saying he's slow, but he just doesn't look like he has the quickness to evade pressure in the way that he needs to at that size. I agree. again not writing him off I just he hasn't shown me much of anything and he is my disappointment especially given like Andy Dalton went in there and made that offense look competent.
0: yeah and Andy Dalton was pushing the ball downfield yeah he was and'd
1: <laughs> like to see a little more Andy Dalton out of Bryce Young.
0: <laughs> my disappointment is the McCorkle Jones era in New England is over. I'm not saying he won't play for them again. He got pulled for Bailey Zappi yesterday after the ugly showing against Dallas. New England is now 31st in scoring at 13.8 points per game. 29th in EPA per play at negative 0.18. Turned the ball over seven times in four games. Just seven 20-plus yard plays. Mack himself is 30th out of 31 qualified quarterbacks in total EPA against man coverage. And he's completing passes at a 46.5% clip when they play man-to-man. And yesterday was as bad a showing as I can remember a Patriots quarterback having. He was late on reads, which caused, I mean, the pick six he threw on the left side was just total laziness he knew he should have known that by the time he was at that read and where the defender was he couldn't throw that ball but he pressed it anyway the fumble was bad they look hapless and lifeless like the offense did last year and that everyone thought that bringing in a new offensive coordinator would change things but it seems like mac is not going to be the guy there for very long
1: yeah it's interesting you say that about his reads being late because his rookie year that was the thing he excelled at that was the thing that was even though he had all the physical limitations and not the greatest arm but he could make all of the reads and his processing speed was off the charts right that was all the talk and it just it doesn't seem like he's reading the game at the level he even did his rookie year which is crazy you would think it would go the opposite direction I think he'll probably start next week That seemed like what Belichick was implying,
0: but I agree he's not the guy going forward. And in terms of quarterback development, this is basically a case study. When you have a guy who was, after his rookie year, the best quarterback seemingly from that class, and you bring in a guy that had never called plays at this level before, and he just goes like chugging along this at the start, boom, and who knows, maybe he won't be able to recover from it. Maybe the damage was done at too impressionable a time in a young quarterback's career development arc that it will be hard to right those wrongs.
1: I think it's what happened with Sam Darnold. Any chance that he had was shot once he started seeing ghosts out there. I I just think no matter how much talent you have, if you put them behind – a horrific o-line and have horrible coaching or one or the other i think you're setting them up and putting them in a position to
0: fail and not everyone can bounce back from it yep you can kill someone's career like that just stifle any hopes they had of of a flourishing nfl career
1: Yeah, and it's not just the NFL. I genuinely think a lot of the Knicks draft failures over the last few years would have had a much greater chance of success in any other situation. The Sam Darnold comparison keeps coming to mind. We had this exact discussion of if the 49ers would still be a contender if Mac Jones was their quarterback, and you brought up the example of how if Trey Lance and Mac Jones' draft spots had been flipped and they'd each gotten drafted to their respective places – both their careers probably would have been better off. And I think it's all based on where you are and who your coaches are. Like, I still think if Sam, if, if Purdy went down and Sam Darnold was the quarterback for the Niners... They would win. They'd win. I'm not saying they wouldn't miss a beat, because I think Purdy's good, but Darnold has talent. I think Mac Jones has some talent. I just think that bringing in Matt Patricia and Joe Judge to call plays proved disastrous was an absolute disaster probably again he's had so much success in his career that it, it doesn't matter but in terms of his patriots coaching tenure it's got to be one of the big black marks on belichick's resume
0: 100 percent, 100 percent. all right so games for next week i have two the first is texans at falcons i'm not going to spend a lot of time on this one but it just ties into the fact that cj stroud is now one of those guys just one of those rookies that you got to watch we've been there in other sports uh, Mahomes Connor McDavid even uh, even like uh, Matt Harvey that, that was the name that was escaping me one of those guys that when they're playing you just need to tune in because you're going to see something that you might not have before the second game I have can, is, I, can I before you get into that can I touch on the
1: this yeah, game yeah can you imagine how much fun the Falcons would be
0: if, if they had CJ
1: Stroud Dude, they would be electric. would be bombs away. Oh my God, that team would be so much fun. I
0: was thinking earlier, the, if, if the Vikings don't roll forward with Kirk next year, the Falcons should make a hard push. They have a lot of talent on that team. Yeah. And then my second game is Eagles-Rams. I think this is going to be an interesting game because the Eagles are undefeated, but I think anyone will be able to tell you that they have not looked Fantastic. Nowhere near the level they were playing at last year, which is somewhat expected because they played a lot of football last year, a lot of physical football. They had a lot a lot of new faces, including both sides of the coaching staff. And they'll be the first to tell you also they haven't played their best. And I think it'll be a good test against one of the best coaches in the NFL, one of the best quarterbacks in history. Staffords look great. So I think it could be an entertaining matchup. Anything that involves Puka Nakua I'm in
1: on. So I Yeah,
0: you got uh, that that overtime touchdown did a did damage for my fantasy yeah. hopes. Yes, it did.
1: He's <laughs> he's unbelievable, dude. He's so much fun to watch. Uh, but I yeah I I think that's a good matchup. Honestly, both of those were in consideration for my matchups to watch. Also, just the first one because of the talent. Just there's so much offensive talent on both teams. Like Stroud, Damian Pierce, Tank Dell. Uh, Nico Collins, young talent, I should specify. And then for the Falcons, it's Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, Drake London. I mean, even Tyler Algiers, a second year, coming off 1,000 rushing yards. Like, there's so much young offensive talent on both teams. It's just like a good league pass game to watch, I would say. And my two matchups are Cowboys Niners, which, for obvious reasons, two of the NFC's elite to elite defenses, I think this is a huge test for the Cowboys offense. They have not looked good at all. They're 7 of 19 in the red zone so far this year, which is just really bad. If they're going to beat the Niners, they're going to need to do a lot better than that because the Niners defense is also prolific, and it's a huge, huge litmus test for the Cowboys. I think the Niners are who they are, and I just... I don't think any loss throughout the season unless they went on like a six game losing streak would affect my opinion on them but if dallas goes out there and and puts out a good performance and beats the niners i think it says a lot about them
0: i agree this is probably the two best teams in the nfc maybe not dallas anymore after the Diggs injury but you know that they're going to play the best team in the conference and if you're looking for an opportunity to measure yourself against the class of the conference it's not going to get better than sunday night on the road at Levi stadium against the niners in this situation i think it's a really good test i think it's going to be an awesome game
1: i think the niners will win i just don't really believe in the cowboys as a true contender in the way i do the niners but i think it's a really good test and if they if they go out and beat the niners it will go a long way towards changing my mind and my impression of them and my second is jags bills I think this is a a bit of a trap game for the Bills, coming off a huge statement win over the Dolphins. Also, it's, you know, they have to travel to London, whereas the Jags are already there. And also the Jags played there like 14 times, so it's basically home field advantage for them. And the Jaguars have shown flashes of who we think they are. And same with... Although Trevor Lawrence has actually been really good. He's been let down by a lot of drops. And I think just like scheming and play calling... But I'd like to see the, tr- the version of Trevor Lawrence that we all know. I would love for him to go and stand up and look comparable to Josh Allen. I'm not saying that he is or that he's on the same level as him, but he's the tier below. So you'd like to see him go out there and put on a good performance. I think there's a bit of an ego play there. But I think it's a big trap game for the Bills. I think the Jags are coming off an unconvincing win over the Falcons. It'll be an interesting matchup to watch.
0: Yeah, I I like this game. I think one of the things that separates somebody that's in that not top of the pyramid, but the second level in terms of quarterback rankings, one of the things that separates them, so Trevor Lawrence from a guy like Josh Allen, is just consistency. And if he wants to get into that top tier, it's going to start with having great showings against quarterbacks like this, and then eventually getting to the point where he strings them together week after week. Couldn't agree more. That'll be a dope game. Do you want to go on to awards? Yes. Sweet. You go first this week. I went first last week. All right. My first award is the Come On Dude Award. Not to be confused with Come On, man. Yeah, no copyright issues here. This is the Come On Dude
1: Award. (laughs) Is it Zach Wilson?
0: Yes, this is going to the Zach Wilson is good narrative.
1: Oh, okay. So I was not quite there. I was thinking it was Zach Wilson
0: for his fumble because it's like, come on, dude, you finally had a good game and then you blow it. No, so this is going to everybody. Chris Collinsworth on the broadcast. Well, Zach Wilson is throwing together some some good plays in succession, talking about how he's learning the ropes, piecing this together as if he's CJ Stroud in his fourth career game and not in his... Uh, And and not as if he's 9-17 and as a starter. He puts together two good drives, one of which is right at a halftime, and every play on that is probably scripted. And all of a sudden, we have to pretend like we don't have this enormous sample size of Zach Wilson being the worst quarterback we've ever seen compared to the very, very, very small couple good plays he threw together yesterday that has Jets fans legitimately convinced he's not terrible anymore, or might not be. It is fucking crazy dude (laughs) justin fields threw for 304 touchdowns and i still think he's bad this guy had an eighth as good a game
1: it takes a lot more than a few good drives to make a good quarterback yes i yes i completely agree my my point from earlier of his resurgence was more about the fact that, one, no one, who the hell saw any bit of competence coming out of him. Yeah. Two, his competence actually looked
0: good, which was shocking to me. But... I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying, like, to go from that to maybe this guy's not terrible is a stretch right now. No, 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 no. He has given us zero reason to believe that he, that any
1: of what he did yesterday was sustainable. Sustainable, yes. I agree with that. What surprised me yesterday was he was showing finally at least it was like okay i can see some bit of why they drafted this guy whereas every other game every other snap i'd ever seen him play it was like what did they see yeah it's like what on earth did they see in this guy he has no talent he's not good at anything (laughs) right? So that was that, but I agreed. What was, uh, let's hold our horses here. It's, yeah, pump the brakes. Yeah, pump the brakes. He's clearly, we've seen a lot of Zach we Wilson. We know who Zach yeah. Wilson is. There's he's, no ambiguity. Yeah, at all. If he can give you some level of, like, below average backup quarterback play, which is a, a huge step up from where he's been, that's, that's great for the Jets, even just, like, Jets fans, sanity going forward, but to expect him to, like, be a starting-level quarterback after everything we've seen is asking far too much and expecting way too much. I, way I, too much. I think this is like the Jets have. Jets fans have just been hurt too many it's times. It's a spin zone, yeah. Yeah, it's like we're going mean, to let ourselves believe this, you know, kind of like delusion. We will get hurt again. Yeah, I don't know. It's. I'm with you. Like, even the Justin Fields, he put up a way better game, and he's put up way better games in his career. I honestly think Fields could be a starter at some point. I don't think it'll, it'll be for the Bears. I think it would have to be a team catering their entire offense around him. I think he has that ability because he has an elite trait. Zach Wilson doesn't do anything elite. Yeah, I agree with that. He doesn't he, – he can – he has decent arm talent.
0: Like, he can throw the football.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think we're I think we're putting the cart before the horse here. Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, it's it's
0: we're moving the twenty four hour media cycle is moving a little too fast on this one. Yeah,
1: we're at like the twelve hour media cycle for right
0: now. Like, yes, he
1: did he outplay Mahomes yesterday. Probably Mahomes had one of the worst games of his career, and Zach Wilson had by far the best of his entire career. So, but that doesn't make him good. That doesn't make him good. Rex Grossman led the Bears to was didn't lead the Bears to the Super Bowl. Was on the Bears in a Super led them Bowl to
0: a Super Bowl appearance. Yeah, I was gonna. I, I don't think I think led to okay, his. I see. I see yeah, your yeah, yeah. problem. Yeah.
1: He was up. He was on the Bears. Played was the starting quarterback for the Bears in the Super Bowl. But that he wasn't a good quarterback. It's just you can have stretches of competence and not be a good quarterback. I, I'm with you. I let's let's simmer down here. <laughs> uh, do you want to do your first award? Yeah. My first award is the Accidental
0: Edible Award. Okay, so this is a a situation where somebody did one thing, expecting the situation to play out in a certain way, but they were very much taken aback with the setting that they found themselves in later because of directly related to the actions that they took earlier. It's not quite, it's literally like somebody thought that they,
1: they had a big let's say you had a big test in the morning and you wake up and you go to take your gummy vitamins and you accidentally pop a couple 500 milligram edibles in there and you're (laughs) a couple and you're, yeah, you're just like zooted all day and people are looking at you and you're like, I don't know, man, something's up with me today. Like that's, that's what, that's what it was. So does that help you at all? Someone who looks stoned and unlike themselves
0: and unlike themselves. Is this going? Is this going to Mad Dog? No, this is going. To, I don't know why. Why? Why do you
1: think that? I'm just curious.
0: Because he was talking about how he was gonna pop an edible. Oh no, 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 no. This
1: is uh, this is going to Mahomes. In last night's oh. game, he had two touch passes that like normally would be. Pretty routine plays for him that were garbage throws. He left like ten yards short, right into his sorry the like middle linebacker's hands. It was was a Zach Wilson throw. Yeah, it was. It was literally like Mahomes tried to take his Flintstone gummies before the games. (laughs) He accidentally got super stoned and is out there like trying to throw these little touch passes and just has no ability to like feel his muscles and has no idea how far things are going. (laughs) Like that's what he looked like out there. If you told me Mahomes was high. And when he threw those picks, I'd believe you. That's
0: what it looked like. So it looked like he took an a, an accidental edible. I like that award. I thought that was funny. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> My second award is the Jim Tom Sula Award, is going to Eberflus. Yep. Yeah. Just uh, the worst coach, pretty much ever. Just so in over his head that you're not even really mad at him because you're just like. Ah, you know what, this this is a nice guy, like, he's doing his best, he's, he was given this responsibility, and it was totally a mistake to give it to him, irresponsible of his bosses to put him in this situation, and let's just keep telling him he's doing a great job, and we'll get him out of here as soon as possible at the end of it. Kind of feels like what the the Jets were doing with Zach Wilson. <laughs>
1: yeah, true. <laughs> you're doing great, buddy, you're doing great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, once you you invoked the Tom Sewell name, I knew who this was going to it. Yeah, we if we were doing this pod last season, it would have got, that same award would have gone to Hackett. A
0: yeah. hundred percent. Yeah,
1: it's similar levels of ineptitude. We've hammered this point home, but it's just he's lost control of the organization. C- could not like honestly isn't doing a single thing right. No, so there's no positives at at this point. You just you just ride out the season because replacing him now is not going to do anything. I wish the season was over. So
0: you wish the bear season? Was yeah, over. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Like for, if yeah, because I, I actually, I actually, the rest c- of
1: football is cool. Yeah, yes. Yeah, I, I I knew what you meant. All right, my second award is the Patriots Randy Moss Award.
0: Patriots Randy. So this is going to somebody that is just with a bullet the number one player at their position.
1: Yes, but specifically, is this going to Khalil Mack? It is not. Okay. It is not. It is going. Do you want? Do you want to? Keep going, or... No, uh,
0: the the Khalil Mack guess was unrelated to why I guessed the award was going for, anyway. Okay. That was just somebody that set an award record. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, he had six sacks yesterday? Yeah.
1: So, when the Patriots acquired Randy Moss, there couldn't have been a more perfect fit of elite talent and scheme, a a more perfect marriage, than that pairing, essentially. And that is the equivalent of Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers. His prodigious talent and the scheme of of the 49ers couldn't have been a more perfect marriage, and we're seeing now that elite level of talent. Like, we saw Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert and... uh, Breida. Breida and other guys who are okay NFL running backs, put up good numbers in that system. But you're seeing what happens when the perfect... Perfect elite level talent is put into that system. What he's doing, and he's I think he's got a touchdown in every game 14 straight games. It is now something like as that. As a 49er, as, yeah, game, he's, he's set the record now for most games with a touchdown in a row. As a 49er, what do you have four yesterday? He could have easily had five. They tried to give it the use check. It is unbelievable the things he's doing. He looks Like, he's playing a different game out there, dude. He looks untackleable. It's unreal. And that's what it was when Randy Moss joined the Patriots. Like, you'd seen other wide receivers have success there, but they were a little bit different. It was usually slot guys. And like was like Deion Branch was pretty good, and there's other outside receivers, but you put Randy Moss on that team, and Tom Brady was airing it out like it was nobody's business. It was
0: untouchable those two, and that's what CMC and the 49ers is. And they're able to do it because they have a quarterback on the the cheapest rookie deal fathomable. Literally, uh, what about undrafteds? Do they get paid more? Uh, I Probably. guess of draft picks, they might, but of undraft of draft picks, yeah, I yeah, was yeah, thinking yeah, yeah,
1: for sure. Literally, and. And he also happens to be pretty damn good. He had one in completion yesterday. Yeah. So that was Patriots' Randy Moss Award goes to Christian McCaffrey.
0: Sweet. Do you want to do bold prediction of the year? Of the week. Of the week. Nice. <clears throat> uh, yeah. I'll start
1: this one up. So my bold prediction of the year, of the week, is... Taylor Heineke will come in. Oh in a second. damn it! That's yours. Yeah, that's mine. All right. Well, that's all right. <laughs> that's all right. We. I guess we could share one this week. All right. You have
0: Taylor Heineke's coming in at halftime. I had Desmond Ritter's gonna get pulled for Taylor Heineke. <laughs> yeah, I have him. But do you have him that he's leading them to a win? No, I don't. I just had this is the end of Desmond Ritter. Oh, I had them then.
1: Okay, so I don't know. Do you wanna? Do you wanna? How do you wanna do this? Do you wanna share it or? <laughs> We could share this one. Okay, yeah, let's share it this week. We've already gone in depth on everything else. Yeah. yeah, I think Desmond Ritter's shown he's not good at all.
0: I yeah, I agree. I'm I'm I've seen enough. Yeah, he's like should have been benched last game. Honestly, makes way more sense why arthur smith was so reluctant to make the change last year and held out for so long yeah people I are mean, calling for it honestly
1: he looks worse than mariota did yep i think they'd probably won more games if mariota was still the starter their team's good I, what did i give them the bucks before brady award last week because yeah. they're just they they have their defense is stout and they have so many weapons like i just went into before it's just ritter's so bad dude some of those picks he was throwing and I watched a lot of that
0: game because it was essentially like a prime a, a primetime game so he's real bad I was literally thinking to myself while well, watching that now I understand why Mariota left entirely he was like if this guy if they're playing this guy over me then then we're lost honestly when you put it into that perspective yeah it makes a lot of sense.
1: Also the person I was trying to think of, the big wide receiver you can just throw it up to and I thought of Josh Reynolds I was thinking of Desmond Ritter just throwing it to Drake London and it being like the easiest near completion ever And then the,
0: or just throwing it deep to Kyle Pitts who's yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah.
1: No but in in uh, last game he threw it oh, deep yeah. in the end zone, just threw it up to Drake London and he got pushed out of bounds but it was just the easiest catch and throw of all time and that's what you can do with a guy of that size. That's what Justin Fields could do claypool he's just a moron yeah
0: so <laughs> um cool yeah anything else no good episode yeah a lot good of show a lot of
1: a lot of topics i uh i gotta tell people where they can find us yep uh again i haven't done any more work on this so if anything i think i've gone i've gotten worse so let's uh let's do it you can find us on instagram tiktok youtube facebook spotify apple music amazon music iHeartRadio. radio Podbean, DB, Overcast. Uh, yep, same thing, 11 every time. It's always huh. 11. Cool. We got anything in the store that can, did I say, I said TikTok? Yeah, I think that's it. I yeah. Th- Twitter. We're on Twitter. Twitter. Yes, we yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, <Nice>. 12.
0: <laughs> New record. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, episode 24. Did I, I don't even remember if I said that yeah, yeah, 24. at the beginning. Uh, Tom, thank you. Thank you. Producer so- Rue, thank you. Mike, thank you. Breaks Down Podcast 528. Cool. We're out. See you next week.